Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm Trent, I'm here with my good friend Alan, and it is Valentine's Day of 2024. I know you're not going to hear this on Valentine's Day, but we're recording on Valentine's Day, and so we want to talk about love today. Um, so Alan, kind of get us into this. Where are we going with this? Well, you know, love... Love is a splendid thing, you know, <laughs> but we want to talk about the idea of loving your congregation. You know, this week, as I was just thinking about love and Valentine's and all that, I had had some conversations with pastors who have successfully revitalized churches and just talking to them and listening to them talk about the church. One of the things that just dawned on me was how much they loved their congregation and then I talked to pastors who love being pastors. They love their congregation. And I think there's a correlation that goes along here that's really important um, for, for us to talk about love. I, I was trying to make it up kind of like it was my favorite pizza place growing up. There's this pizza place that just covered pizza in so, the saltiest, most wonderful Canadian bacon you ever had. It was the best pizza I, I ever ate, and I always wanted more of that pizza. And I've never found a pizza that had that missing ingredient on it because everything else has fallen short. And I think love is like that. Your church knows when there's not love present. They know when their pastor doesn't love them, if their pastor's just there doing a job. And people are, they just catch it and they, they know when that's present and when it's not present. So I think it really is an important topic for us to talk about. And it's not just cheesy and it's not just because it's for Valentine's day. Yeah, I agree. And, and you're right. Um, you know, I've seen, and I've said that, that kids, they catch on, you know, if it's just words, uh, that are coming out of your mouth and it's not really heartfelt. And I think that is true, Alan, of people in your church. If you say, oh, yes, I love you, but you don't put any um, feet to those words, you don't have any actions, um, it is supposed to be an action. Love is supposed to be an action. And so, um, you know, as we were talking about this before we started recording, there's lots of things that go into this. Um, when Jesus is asked, um, what is the most important command? He's, he talks about loving God, and then he goes a little further than they expected and, and talks about loving the people around you. So we, we want to do that. We want to do that well. So Trent, when we were younger people, it was like a revolutionary book at the time that came out because it taught everyone about something that I think is commonplace now. We almost take it for granted, but I still remember when Gary Chapman wrote the book, The Five Love Languages, and how that revolutionized uh, marriage counseling. It revolutionized, in many ways, churches, even parent parental relationships with their kids. And you've kind of been in that scene um, from its beginning. How, how does the idea of what's going on in that play into this? Well, I, I think it's always good for a pastor to be thinking about the people that he's dealing with. Now, you can't do that necessarily from uh, standing at the pulpit and preaching. You're, you're going to be preaching to everyone. But if you have, you know, a, a meeting with someone or you spend time with someone, you, you can know 
you know, what is their love language? And so let me just kind of refresh everyone's memory. You probably know these already, but the five love languages are, one is words of affirmation, two is acts of service, three is receiving gifts, four is quality time, and five is physical touch. And so every every church is going to have people that have all of, you know, that have one of those. And so you're going to, each person is going to be different, but you're going to have people that, that have each of those. Yeah. So I think that's really important because what you learn in that study is that we tend to want to receive love the way we give love. And so from a pastoral perspective, if you only, give love one way and only receive love one way, you're kind of alienating at least, you know, at least 80% of your congregation, most likely. So it's really important for us to be mindful uh, that not everyone experiences love the same way. So when you're up at the front of the church and you say to your church family, I just want you guys to know I love being your pastor. It doesn't have the same resonation with with all of them if their love language isn't words of affirmation. For those who find that affirming, man, they they leave church going, man, my pastor just loves us. Um, but for someone else, it's you know what? Um, I don't know what our pastor preached on last week, but he showed up at two in the morning to the emergency room because there was an accident, mm-hmm. and that act of service mean means something for them or. You know, the, the pastor's always there to shake my hand. You know, he's the first one to reach out and shake it, shake my hand. That means something to me. So understanding that people give and receive it in different ways, I think is really important. Yeah, and, and so let's also, let's kind of put the, the warning uh, labels on all of these too, right? Um, there are some things that you have to watch out for, um, especially you mentioned physical touch, Alan. Uh, that's an area where as pastors, I'm a hugger. I'll just come out and tell you I'm a hugger. And, and that is good uh, in some cases, but not always. Um, and the way that you do that. So, um, you know, in all of these things, I think there are some warnings that we could give to you. Yeah. And I learned that even, you know, being a coach uh, with students that not every student wanted, you know, uh, didn't want high fives. Not every student wanted you to put your arm around their shoulder after a bad race. You know, not everyone is into physical touch. We don't even talk about have to talk about crossing boundaries with that, but recognize that some people have boundaries of I don't like to be touched at all. Um, And certainly in our culture today, um, being aware of people with special needs, too, that touching them can actually set off a lot of concerns in their life. So we have to be mindful of all of those things. Giving and receiving gifts um, can also be another area where you can get into huge trouble um, if you're not careful and you, you're not thoughtful in, in how you go about that, because you can certainly give someone something that looks like a bribe or something that looks like a gift that maybe is taken in the wrong way. So you have to be careful in how you do all these things. So they all have, they all have boundaries and love has boundaries. A, a lot of people don't like to think about that. But but love, there really is no such thing as free love. Love always has boundaries. Yeah. And so, you know, as you, you were mentioning receiving gifts or giving and receiving gifts, um, 
I guess the word that comes to mind on all of these things, Alan, is appropriate. Um, you know, and doing things in an appropriate manner in all of these five love languages, uh, words of affirmation. Yeah, there are some things that you can say that are encouraging and appropriate. Um, you know, and but I've seen people who don't have that. Um, the word is emotional intelligence. They don't know how to um, see what's going on or to speak with emotional intelligence. Um, same thing with acts of service. And so this, I guess the encouragement here is to get to know your people. And we've done a podcast on this, Alan. Uh, and with the median-sized church, around 100 people, um, I would say if you're there for a good long time as a pastor, you're going to get to know your people and you're going to be able to tell, okay, this person's love language is quality time. So um, I've had some guys in my churches that I pastored that their, their love language was quality time. And so I would, you know, if, if their job was driving, I would go ride with them and just visit with them, you know, and that meant a lot to them. Uh, others that, you know, their love language is different. And so I would know that and do different things with them. Yeah. My, the first deacon that I ever got to know in my first church, um, what set apart my ministry from other guys in relationship to him was if he came by and said, Hey, you want to go for a ride? I was like, sure. Let's go um, where other pastors are like, oh, I really need to work on my sermon or I need to do this or that. Um, it was a, an opportunity to spend time together. And I think that always meant something to him that I was willing to take that time. And so it's about learning your people and getting to know your people. So, Trent, let's just kind of this kind of flip this on its head. And we're going to tell you guys we're, we're kind of going off off script here a little bit. <laughs> Oh, that's scary. <laughs> I, think, I think it's so, so I don't know exactly where we're going to go, but I, it, we're talking through this situation and you and I have both been in, in marital counseling situations where a spouse has come in and said about, well, I just don't love them anymore. Mm. And I think we probably have some people who listen to this podcast who might feel that there's a fracture um, between them and their church congregation, or maybe they feel like they've lost that that loving feeling <laughs> for their, for their church. So Trent, what kinds of things could we say to someone in that situation? You know, how, how do you rekindle, you know, a, a lost love there? Well, we can't have a movie party of Top Gun, you know, with our <laughs> church. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I think that's a great question. Uh, just as in a marital relationship, you know, I've had people say, well, I don't feel like I love this person. And it's like, well, you do things to get back in love. You did when you first started dating that person, you were, man, your attention and your time and your efforts were all into that person. And so you need to do those same things. And the same is true now as a pastor, you know, I need to do things with intention to show them love. I may not feel it, but that's going to grow the more I do things to show them love. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think what you're trying to, to say to us is, is you got to kind of go back and look at the situation. What was it that you did at first that you're not doing now? Right. I mean, because mm -hmm. that's 
we, we like to look at the other, well, look at what they're not doing. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't, they, they didn't give me gifts for in, in October for pastor appreciation month. They obviously don't care about me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you know, maybe when you were first there, you used to write handwritten notes to people, you know, and made sure that everyone in your church over the course of a year got a handwritten note from their pastor and you got away from that. Mm-hmm. What, what's the difference? So I think sometimes we need to go back. We need to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, okay, so what, what am I not doing that I, that I should be doing? And I, I think too, Trent, I think that one of the things that we always have to fight against in, in time, and we fight against this in marriage, we fight against this in everything, is this idea that cynicism can creep into our lives. We stop believing the best in people and we believe the worst in people because we see so much of the worst in people. And I think that we have to fight against that, that mentality constantly. We don't want to answer the phone because, oh, well, great, what now? Mm, and yeah. so I think we always right. have to be vigilant against, uh, against that cynical type of desire that I think really just comes with the territory. Well, and I think that's directly tied into unforgiveness, Alan. Um, you know, when we don't, when we're not willing to forgive somebody, who has hurt us in some way, said something bad to us, um, that grows into that bitterness and that gets the root of that gets our hearts, our hearts hard. And so then that, that becomes, we become cynical in that. Yeah. It's just easy to become cynical. We don't, we don't want to be cynical people. So I think that's one of the things that just comes to my mind. I also think something that John Maxwell used to say, you know, if you, if you'll believe people and take them at face value, you're going to be right 95% of the time. And so that's a pretty good average, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, you're going to get wronged. We're all going to get wronged in ministry. I think if you go in ministry and with the expectation that no one's ever going to hurt me and no one's ever going to betray my confidence, you're going to be greatly disappointed. I've got news for you. If you go into ministry and think you're never going to hurt someone or betray their confidence, uh, you're, you're, don't, don't go into ministry because you're going to do it. You're, you're going to mess up too. So I think it's, it's this recognition too and, and allowing people the ability to be less than perfect because we are less than perfect. So we kind of have to take everything at face value in that way. Yeah. Um, and so that the idea of expectations, and we've talked a lot about this on uh, previous episodes, expectations are those landmines you know when we put expectations on those folks to be perfect that's ridiculous i mean that they won't always mess up or won't mess up at some point or um you know jesus is the only perfect person and so gosh we wouldn't want our congregation to expect us to be perfect so we can't put that expectation on them either you know, one thing I'm also thinking about, Trent, if you really want to fall back in love with your congregation, uh, I think one thing that's really important, too, is you got to laugh together some. And I think a good sense of humor, just like you've got to have a good sense of humor in marriage. Um, you know, I don't there have been a couple of times Rochelle and I have maybe been in what we thought was an argument. And then one of us does something that's just so goofy that we just start laughing about it. And, you know, the the fight's over by the time you're laughing about it. So what were we even fighting about or, or, or whatever? Right. Uh, the ability to laugh at yourself, mm-hmm. the ability to laugh, you know, 
in a situation is really a wonderful thing. And I think healthy, happy churches, they just sometimes laugh together. And I think that's why fellowship and is, is really an underrated and underappreciated part of church life. Well, we didn't do anything spiritual. We just ate together. That's important. And so I think the ability just to share stories and laugh together is, is a big part of that. And, and for the pastor to be engaged and fully involved in those moments. Yeah. To, you know, when you're saying that, Alan, I'm thinking of a game night, you know, at your church. And we used to do this at our churches that I pastored. We, we would have just fun times, you know, it didn't have to have a Bible study or something spiritual in it. Uh, and so, yeah, those are fun things and you get to know people better in those settings than you ever would in a setting in your sanctuary. Yeah. My church learns not to play games with, with a uh, pastor Allen because he's too competitive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're ultra competitive, be careful. Um, let the other person win sometime. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, as we think about this, we want to encourage you to love your congregation. Well, um, and so think about the people that are in your congregation, you know, and there will be some that you won't understand why they, I mean, you've been doing things for them, um, speaking well to them, and they just don't feel that they don't seem to be grasping how much you care for them. Well, it may not be their love language. And so, uh, you know, as we think about this, uh, when you think about the people in your congregation, think through those those love languages, again, words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. How are those and the people that you deal with, what is their language? Well, and I would say, Trent, to add in one last thing as we kind of wrap up today, from the perspective of being on the other side of some churches, there are some people that I look back at, and in the time I thought, man, we always butted heads. We always seemed to be antagonistic toward each other. And there are times I find myself missing those people in particular because mm -hmm. I, they also had a way of making me better. They had a way of making me think about the decisions I was making. And sometimes you don't know what you got till it's gone. And, and uh, yeah. I think we need to remember that not everything that's antagonistic in some ways is always bad. Mm -hmm. There's actually some healthy sides to that. And if you can learn to love those who maybe are stubborn, as stubborn as you are, um, you're going to have a ha happier, healthier ministry. So that might be something that might help someone out there today who's going through a bit of a difficult time with that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Alan, because you're right. There, I would much rather have somebody who seems to be antagonistic, but they're speaking to me instead of speaking to other people about me. Um, that would so much better. And you know that in 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us that we're supposed to think the best, uh, you know, and so be thinking of those people. What Take them, as you said, out, or Alan, a little bit earlier about taking them at face value and, and appreciating, thinking the best. Are their motives, maybe we don't understand, but maybe their motives are good and we're just taking it negative. Well, there you have it, Trent. We've, we talked through and about love today. So pastors, we want to encourage you, love your congregation. If you're a church member and you're listening today, love your church, love your pastor. 
really build a community that reflects the nature of who Jesus is because God is love. And so, again, it's not something that we say tongue-in-cheek. It is very sincere and very true and very needed um, in our churches today. So, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of the Enduring Church family. And for those of you who take time to to listen, we, we love and appreciate your dedication. And it's a joy to bring this to you. And we look forward to catching you on our next episode.